Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. In the studio this week, I have the pleasure of Jeff Price. Jeff, how are you? I'm well, thank you very. Thank you very much for um, for the call. Well, I'm I'm well. Good. Amazing. Well, that yeah, and that that's going to be a core part of what we're talking about today because it's a real honour for me to have you uh, on the other end of the Zoom call this this week. Um, based on our history, which we'll talk about, based on your personal journey, because that's of course what this this podcast is about. You've been doing things uh, in the communications and media business for a long, long time. Um, a part of the the, the very fabric of this place that we call home at the moment. So we're going to get into that. But rather than me going on, <laughs> why don't you have a have a little chat, uh, Jeff, in terms of just telling us a bit about your journey uh, in terms of how you got into what you got into, uh, the 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 ups and downs, the lefts and rights uh, along the way to how we get to today talking uh, with each other on, on this particular one. So uh, over to you, Jeff. Tell us. Thank you. Thanks. It's um, it's very strange being on this side of of, of, a, of a chat because I'm normally <laughs> the one asking the questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it's been an incredibly tough journey the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that point, uh, um, I have been a broadcast in radio and, and television for the best part of my career. I started out wanting to join uh, the military uh, when I was at school. I used to be very fit and used to take part in decathlons and swim a lot and play rugby and cricket and goodness knows whatever was going. Um, <clears throat> and little did I know at the age of 17 that things would take a real turn. I, um, I injured my back quite badly, and that turned out to be a, a blessing because mm. it, it put pay to any career with the military. I, I, I was actually just reading a letter from the Sergeant Major um, of the Royal Marines to tell me, uh, okay, son, sorry, but it's game over. Um, mm. We're really sorry, but, you know, your, your health and your body you're only just 17 years old so that was quite a devastating um blow at the time Mm. but i i was introduced to great ormond street hospital for sick children at around that time and i felt very much that i wanted to give something back to them for helping me and for helping so many other people and so i'd heard a little bit about um, a little radio studio they have internally at the hospital. And it, it was a place to entertain children and sort of take their minds off why they were in the hospital. So it's a hospital for, for children from all over the world with some very rare conditions. And I was absolutely blown away by that place. It, it, it turned out to be the most, I think, a most amazing place I've ever experienced it was such a positive place um for every sad outcome there was always a positive Mm. and that 
started to become a bit of a mantra for me. Little did I know how much I would rely on that mantra years down the line. Um, and I got to meet some incredible people, some amazing children, some incredible families who, you know, were all pulling together and, and having to get through some really difficult times. And during this time, in the media, in the UK, there was, and, and ultimately around the world, there was a story of a little boy, a toddler, Jamie Bulger. And he was um, taken by two 10-year-old boys and killed mm -hmm. in the most horrible way. And this... Uh, this created a wave of anger and blame and goodness knows what else. And I couldn't help feeling at the time, in, any which way you turned, in the newspaper, on the radio, on the television, there was the story of little Jamie mm -hmm. and these two 10-year-olds. And I felt there's no one seems, everybody's busy being angry and blaming the system or whatever but there didn't seem to be anybody wanting to try and contribute in a positive way. And I remember my father sitting me down one, after, one evening uh, when I got back from volunteering at the hospital and he said, so the military's out of the question now, what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? And I answered him on the spot saying, I was going to set up a radio station for children and work particularly with underprivileged kids. And I would have a studio in every major city of the UK within 10 years. How naive was I? Ambitious, <laughs> ambitious goals, though. <laughs> yeah, it, what was striking was the clarity and, and the speed with which I answered his question. And, and that became a mission. Hmm. And so I then really focused on, one, creating a radio station for children and started to talk to some people in business. Um, I was still young. I was studying, doing some business studies, and, and I made that my project. And I was told by the professor at the time, there's no way on the earth that you would ever succeed. <laughs> How very, very uh, encouraging. <laughs> Just what you want to hear from, from your teachers. And Thanks for that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I... Um, I started to talk to some some business people, and uh, I did some part time work. And um, in in that job, I was able to meet people in this sort of a social slash work environment. And my job was to talk to people, to talk to customers, mm -hmm. and to, to serve them. And I, I sort of mentioned the idea as briefly as I could without giving too much away. And the idea of a, a radio station or a network of radios for, for children really seemed to sort of snowball until the point where I realized I had no experience of media whatsoever. I didn't know <laughs> one end of a radio channel or a television or a newspaper, you know, and I knew nobody in the business. So I thought, right, I need to stop this conversation and I need to go out and do. Hmm. And I went out and incredibly went on to become to work in, in commercial radio stations and then to manage teams and manage channels, which was incredible, really. But the focus was always on, the goal was always gather that experience and keep your eye on the goal of creating a radio for young children. Mm -hmm. 
And then in 2012, <laughs> decades later, 22 years later, the opportunity pre uh, presented itself. And I was asked to give uh, sort of a presentation of the idea of radio together with uh, a friend of mine who also was in the military. Um, he has a son who's severely disabled and um, the family have really drawn together and pulled together. And we created this children's radio station. He, from a determined sort of business background and mine from the experience I've had in working in the media. And um, incredibly, it came to be. Uh, we, we had a radio station where you and I actually met. Yeah. Yeah. In I fact, remember the, the meeting. <laughs> because yeah. It's Can you us. remind us of that meeting? Because it wasn't exactly yeah. a radio studio, was it? No, it wasn't. And I'd heard about, um, you know, what you were doing um, briefly from, from around people, <laughs> from people that I knew. And uh, as, as is wanton in here in the UAE, I think it was the weekend, it was a Friday or something. I was going to, um, um, I think it was an event in, in it was in Alcohol's. And I remember, I can't remember the actual event, but I remember the situation because I was in this warehouse. There were a few other people. And then I looked up from the table and I just saw you coming towards me saying, I've been looking for you. And I thought... Uh oh, I don't think I've ever met you before. And what I was about to get into apology mode, I was like, I don't know what I've done, but I'm sorry. I, do, I wasn't on purpose, <laughs> but whatever's happened. Um, and uh, But then, of course, you, you came across, and I've been looking for you because, and then you sort of embellished on what you know, the radio station was, what the idea was, and uh, based on what I do with the Beat the Cyber Bully and, and the cyber safety and the well being of children, I thought, so this is it's like a lightning bolt coming down into this warehouse. I was thinking, wow. Um, but yeah, the, our, our official introduction to each other will forever stick in my mind because that that warehouse and our cars will, will hold the place in my heart forever of that fear I had when, you, when I first saw you <laughs> of, uh, of what I'd done to this. Oh, wow, that is absolutely incredible. <laughs> uh, just how things were uh, aligning at that point because it was something that we, we were um, just looking at as well from Be The Cyber the very early days. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, we were we were presenting, not presenting, we were exhibiting. We just had a like a booth, and um, I think it was, oh, I was gone out of my head. But anyway, I can't remember the, the company that we were doing. It was just there for, from that side of things. But yeah, that was how we we got introduced. Something to do with schools and getting ready for the start of the new academic year. And I think it was kind of either late in August or very very early in september that's right and um picnic tables abound with um <laughs> with you know various displays and anyone associated with schools basically and when i saw your um your banner of beat the cyber bully um my wife and i had been working on this project for a very long time and mm -hmm. I, i'd obviously been well we, we'd been doing research and for, for for a long long time and you were the missing link <laughs> and we thought just how important it would be to start a conversation and um we did it in a warehouse to start with but then the very next conversation we had i think was on the radio in the radio it studio was. 
It was, yeah. And again, it was, I couldn't quite believe um, what was what was happening at that point in terms of um, your vision for, for what Pearl was and what it, what it was, you know, when you built it, what the whole idea of servicing children in, in terms of their requirements from a, from a radio station and also to to help mum and dad. And, and at that time, I wasn't a dad, I am now. And, uh, and it was real for me then, but it's even more real if, you, if, if that's possible when you, you've got your own children and also really understanding um, how much was missing in terms of even from the music perspective, from a radio station that actually thought about children as the primary audience rather than than parents or adults or young adults. Because there's stations for all of those demographics, but there wasn't anything. And, and once you mention it, so like, yeah, that's so... Uh, that's so obvious that there isn't anything, but unless you're looking at it, then it, it, it's not obvious, obviously, otherwise there'd be hundreds of them all over the place. And it, it was, uh, yeah, it was very surreal for me the first day walking into that, which is why you know, just prior to us hitting record and I'm saying, oh, this is what we're going to do. I'm thinking, I, I, why am I telling Jeff prior to all people what, what's about to happen? Because I go back to those first days of me coming into the radio studio and you sitting me down saying, right, just sit here and do this and move that and, and just, don't worry about it because you did all the all the stuff that they needed to be doing and sort of directed me. But it was such a great platform to to deliver that kind of content that you've got the the, the, the nursery rhymes, you've got the the homework, you've got the the music for the children, and then you've got and this is where I you know was very fortunate to come in on a on a weekly basis to to talk to mum and dad um, in in the car or wherever they were listening in about one of the subjects that was really. And is to, to me very important, but it was great to be in, in amongst the lineup with lots of other um, you know, business people as well that were talking about the things that they were doing for children and whether that was courses, whether it was products, whether it was anything. And it just, it all came together really, really well. And that, that, for that, I'll be eternally grateful, um, A, for that introduction to, to, to you, to the radio station, and also just to this I say this reversal of roles is kind of weird, but and doing it in such a different way, and we'll get into the last few years and has changed. One thing I think I would say, Barry, just about this moment is the is is how we built a kind of a special bond, if you like, because we had so many things in common, yeah. and the work that you've been doing to help protect young ones. On online, um, more importantly, perhaps their parents as well. And you know, we we discussed many many times the disconnect between parents and their child's online life. Mm -hmm. um, I learned so much from you. One thing I've always done on radio, I, I, I've interviewed, I've done, I've, I, I kind of lost count. And in the time that I was a presenter on that radio station that we created, I. I drummed up hundreds and hundreds of interviews. Um, I, I would always take notes. It's just something that I, I always wanted to do. Um, the radio project that we, it, this, was, this was quite a unique project. Mm -hmm. um, we, we designed it, created it, created the content, researched. We hired, I had to hire the team had to train the team because it's it, it's not that easy to be a children's presenter. Um, the other thing that was unique about this particular platform is that, um, as you've rightly pointed out, it's it, it was also very much about embracing the family. 
Mm. And whilst children were at school in those normal times, mm. um, prior to the, the time that we're in now, um, whilst the children were at school, mum and dad are busy in their day and we wanted to provide some support for them. So we put together uh, coffee mornings for mum. <laughs> Uh, we did some stuff for dads and we brought in professionals um, as best we could in that mid-morning time where mm -hmm. children were busy at school. The rest of the day was for the children. We, we wanted, to, we wanted the, the children to have a voice. We wanted them yeah. to learn and experience painting pictures using sound. Uh, we found children were really engaged um, and in the, this time of... Uh, you know, tablets, computer screens. Um, we found that children really wanted to have a conversation and they forgot about their screen time. That was just before um, the world was turned upside down. Mm. Um, but so my, my job in interviewing you and, 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 and others, I, I, I sort of describe myself as a bit of a duck. <laughs> I might look a little calm on the top, but belief. <laughs> I was paddling away because there was just so much to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, designing that studio facility, uh, working with architects, uh, contractors, uh, reporting to very important stakeholders. Uh, you know, there was so much um, involved. Yeah. And... Trying to put that down on a CV, just it's very difficult to do because of the extent of the amount of work that's involved and, and well, variety as well. Yeah, and on that note, I think that it's actually maybe as good a point as any to, to, to just go back a little bit. We jumped forwards, but in those intervening 20 years of you know having the idea to this coming to fruition, yeah. maybe even especially as we, we, we do focus on the UAE, just touch on what you had done previously on the ground here that gave you all of the experience to be able to do this in the first place, because you've done so much, especially here, yes. but go back as far as you want when it comes to your yeah, sure. forecasting well, career. I... Um, I I was introduced to the Middle East in the mid-1990s. Uh, I worked for um, an entertainment agency based in London, and they, and they would send, send us around the world to different locations. And I remember the first time they were talking of a, uh, a temporary contract for me uh, in Bahrain, hmm. which at that time I don't think I'd ever heard of. <laughs> and wow, what an experience that was. That contract was extended purely down to, you know, great relationship with um, the venue that we, what I was uh, based in, working hard and um, <clears throat> meeting some incredible people. And then I heard on the grapevine that there was a commercial radio station planning to launch in the United Arab Emirates. Mm -hmm. So I got myself on the very next plane to the UAE and walked into this office and had a conversation with the chairman of this, uh, this group and said, I'm your man. And apparently I was a bit kind of arrogant about it. I, I don't remember that, but th those were his, um, that's his, that was his recollect recollection. Anyway, he said, I like your style. Let's do this. Right. And a couple of months later, well, I pretty much signed on the dotted line there and then, um, relocated. 
joined the team, mm-hmm. uh, helped finish off any studios that needed building or you know CDs back in those days that <laughs> needed to be added to the to the music library. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, the rest really is history. It was a it was a massive breakthrough in broadcasting in radio terms for this part of the world. And um, it was a top 40 music radio station that kind of saw any rules as, okay, fairly, um, I don't know how to put it really. We pushed, we pushed the boundaries, let's just put it that way. Um, we took risks. Uh, we were incre- we were very engaging. The radio station at that time was live 24 hours a day. So there was always a voice for the listener. There was, you know, it's where we realized that people working overnight doing the night shift. Right. And we were their company. Yeah. You know, uh, we were their friend on the radio. And I went on to host a lot of the celebrity interviews. I hosted the evening show. They called it the hot evening show. It was a huge, it was an amazing experience. We worked incredibly hard seven days a week, but it was a, it was a huge amount of fun. And um, it really put radio on the map here. And that experience, that radio station alone really was the one that opened the doors for other radio stations to open. And uh, it was the beginning of the radio industry, really, commercial anyway, mm-hmm. commercial radio. And um, yeah, it was a huge amount of fun. Um, f- as a result of that job, I was actually headhunted for a, a management role in the UK, um, which I took in the year 2000. I left, I remember, leaving the tarmac at Dubai International Airport. And at that time, there was a massive buzz about the place. There was Mm -hmm. flashing lights everywhere. There was cranes everywhere. And I left it. I remember taking off from the airport and thinking, there's unfinished business here and I will be back. And sure enough, four years later, I returned (laughs) and um, went on to manage... um, two national radio stations, Radio 1 and Radio 2, was then asked if I would supervise or oversee the the forming of a new broadcast network, Gulf News Broadcasting, uh, with the Gulf News newspaper. And that was a huge privilege. It was a challenge, but one, it literally, um, here's a blank piece of paper, Start drawing, start fill, yeah. you know, start filling the blanks, and so uh, organizational charts, literally pacing out physical space to build new studios, working with some uh, incredible radio consultants with masses of of, of experience, um, and it, Golf News Broadcasting was born. It was it was incredible, and that network went on to do tremendously well earn themselves lots and lots of money. Um, and at that point, having just done that successfully, I was asked if I would um, be involved in the launch of a new English language television channel. Right. Um, and host their, their program, the, the flagship, Good Morning Dubai. 
Right. I said, yes. <laughs> well, of course, why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, and again, that, that was a, another incredible experience working with television directors. It was a whole new experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been so used to um, working behind a microphone in radio and then also working with a team, but the team, to all intents and purposes, was invisible. When you suddenly appear on a screen, the camera does a lot of the talking for you for mm. a start. <laughs> but also, it was just a really great experience to be, you know, in a new environment, working with a director, with producers, with uh, helping to write scripts for for television, and uh, again interviewing some pretty major guests as well, which was a, a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, so that, that, that's part of the story. Um, but I think what's important to say is that um, at the back of my mind and very much in focus was one day we will launch a radio for, for children. Mm-hmm. And um, I, did. I sort of got all, gathered all the experience and, you know, with all the notes that I'd ever made. And um, it, it came to be a few years yeah. later. Um, I've also been involved with the Rugby Sevens. Um, yeah. I've been a part of, I, I was a part of the uh, MC, the entertainment team for the Dubai Rugby Sevens. And Dubai was voted number one for its entertainment value by the, the players themselves, by um, the the guys that um, created this rugby phenomena and, and made it a global thing. Um, and I remember us having members of the Commonwealth Games and, and then the Olympic Committee coming to take notes. And ultimately, Rugby Sevens became an Olympic sport officially in the year 2016 at the Rio Games. And it was purely based on the Olympic Committee's experience of Dubai, how it engaged the family, how it was so entertaining. And um, we had actually been instructed for this particular Rugby World Cup, Sevens World Cup, um, back in 2009, Mm. that we were not to have any kind of commentary, we were not to have any kind of music. It was all about the game. And we said to the chairman, no. (laughs) (laughs) Dubai has become very popular for all the reasons that we worked so hard at. So why don't we come to a compromise and let us do our thing? And anyway, we reconvened at lunchtime and he said, not many people say no to, to us, but you guys did. And we're very glad that you have and carry on. Huh? And then ultimately it became an Olympic sport. Um, mm. And I remember listening intently to the BBC World Service on the day that the the next sport to be introduced to the Olympic Games. It, w- it was that day. And the very first sport was Rugby Sevens. Oh, yeah. And um, to share that experience, you know, was incredible. Working with a, a small team of incredibly dedicated people, uh, Dave Crane, who was our boss of the entertainment team, um, uh, and our commentator, Kevin, who was just fantastic a teacher in a dubai school knows the game inside out used to play the game um just fantastic yeah. and then our international commentator damien damien hopley 
he uh, is a former England player, um, has just been recognised for his contribution to the sport. His career was cut short due to a severe knee injury, which at the time caused him an awful lot of stress, depression, and, and all sorts of other stuff. And, but he also used that experience to go on to, to create something called the Players Association, of which he's the chairman. Right. And um, he's got a, a massive wealth of experience and he shared that with us on, on match days. And, um, you know, we made a really good team. Yeah. Um, it was very, very hard work. Incredibly I, I, hard work. <laughs> I can testify but to it, you guys being a good team in terms of from the consumer end because the Dubai Sevens has been an institution here and uh, for, for, for many years. And I, I remember it back in the days when it was by the country club and at the Exiles ground and that was the temporary stadium went yes. up and then it came down and, you know, yeah. the, the years that it was flooded out and it was still a great experience and that was because of what you guys built you know it was something that was recognized by people on the ground here you used to get lots of people coming into the region to watch it and be a part of it because of of what you built so yeah i get just in terms of testament from from that end of things is i think it was one of those things that when i moved here i went every year had friends that would come out every year until we started to have kids and all of this kind of stuff it made it a little bit difficult to, to get but even then it's still a case of this it's it's something that's really you put on the map uh, and, and rightly so. Yeah. Uh, Again, we, I suppose that description would be like a swan mm. um, above the water. Wow. Graceful, beautiful. Uh, yes, <laughs> under the water, yes. go nuts. Under the water, there was a lot, you know. So the, 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 the amazing thing about that team was that it, we just knew each other inside out. We knew what the next one was going to do before they even did it. We knew the format. Everything was itemized minute by minute for three days um, of this competition because we had a local or sort of a regional competition, um, which was peripheral to the international um, event. Um, we had a huge stadium audience of 50,000, um, a television audience of millions and millions around the world. And as the sport grew, um, the, the great thing about Rugby Sevens is you don't actually need to be a rugby fan. <laughs> It's so fast moving. There's so much action. And, and when you're actually there in the stadium, there's all of the, the entertainment that goes mm. with it as well. And, and our job was to make sure that everybody had a really fun time and, and we helped to create some memories. Yeah. I don't know, for, for many, many people. And like I say, hopefully it will carry on in terms of the foundation that you built for it. Obviously, the last year or so has been a, a, a bit of yeah. a blip for everything and everybody globally, so that it's not like that. But hopefully that, that things will come back um, um, to some sort of normality and that these these kind of events will be allowed to carry on in the same vein that you've, you've built them up over the years, because it would be a real shame. You know, as Dubai, the UAE, is, is, is a, a very forward-thinking country city and things do change and they make decisions and sometimes you just hope that they stick with some of the things that have been around for quite some time because that's one thing that i've noticed you know thing, things that i know we have to move forward but there's a lot of oh well, that was a pretty cool place or that was useful or, that was really good and then it's, it's gone and then nothing comes in to replace it so i'm pretty sure that the sevens is going to be safe from that side of things but yeah. so that's i mean that's great in terms of that that's a a, a massive amount of experience of 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 um you know, of, of, of information and the, the ability to process, press, process all of that and then actually still, even from the seven side of things, apply what you're doing there into what was 
as you as you referred to before, your 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 end goal, which was to have this yeah. um, this service to children to to be able to, yes. to to do that side of things. So let's talk. Let's go back to that then. In terms of you 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 and and, and your business partner at the time did a ton of work to take all of your experience, all of his experience, put it all together, and get this thing done. And and out of that came Pearl FM. You know that that was. Yeah, what, the- I, I'm going to take one step back if I can, because yeah. I mentioned this Absolutely. television, this television station, and that was um, kind of a, a groundbreaking experience, a bit of a pioneering project as well. But something I learned along that journey was really, really important. I remember sitting down to record a televised interview with a very dear friend of mine, who I always knew as the life of the party. Uh, he had a senior HR role within a company, and I always knew him in a social setting and, and re- was always very bubbly and bright and very confident. And yet there he was sitting next to me on this sofa on this television set, absolutely petrified, sweating profusely and physically shaking. And I couldn't understand it. I thought, what on earth have I done wrong? <laughs> What's going on? And he, he just... The environment for him was completely foreign. Mm. Television lights, studio setting. He was completely out of his comfort zone. Whereas I was very comfortable in that seat and, uh, you know, in in that setting of the sevens with a big stadium and thousands of people, you just have to do, you you Mm. act immediately and you, you just do, you have to think under pressure. Yeah. And I was, that experience with, with my friend, it took 45 minutes to calm him down. And eventually we had to press record for the interview. And we had a bit of a chat and he then made for the exit. And he turned to me and he, he shouted out, Jeff, did I mention anything about the multi-million dollar investment uh, agreement? And I said, no, you didn't. No. <laughs> Completely missed it. And he said, oh, and he left with his sort of head bowed down. And um, we had to continue because we had a list of people that had, and, and the studio needed to be freed up for others. But that made me realize that pe- speaking in public is a real challenge for a lot of people. And I talked to some friends and and read a little bit about it and, soon realize that public speaking is people fear that more than they fear anything else in the world. Yeah. And I thought I need to do something about that because I've been in a position where I've been speaking publicly for many, many years on radio and in various television sort of formats. Um, And I want to share the experience I have to help other people who may have to speak to the media, to the press, or out in public, maybe in yeah. front of their colleagues, in front of their peers. Yeah. Um, and so that was a pivotal moment for me, and I'm, I will always be grateful for that. For my friend, it was a petrifying <laughs> experience, but out of that, again, something very positive happened, and that's where I realized, okay, I need to add communications to Jeff Price. Yeah. And I went on to provide media training for various governments with their communications departments. And we did some role playing and had a lot of fun along the way doing that. Um, But it really did become an integral part. 
And in setting up the radio station for the children, my something that was very important was for any guest who came to the radio studio to feel as comfortable as they could. We, we weren't, there was no agenda with this radio because it was for the family. Mm-hmm. We were here to help. And so any guest that would come, we would always have a brief introduction and uh, before the microphone went live. And if the, the, if the guest ever felt uncomfortable, we would always give, the, always give the option to record it so that they could feel as comfortable as possible. Because at the end of the day, the support and the help that would come through our conversation for the listener, for mum, for dad, and for the family was really important. So it was really down to that experience of sitting on the sofa in the television studio that really opened my eyes. Yeah. Well, and I think I, just just on that, I think that it's it's something that I would like to focus on there because it's a from a personal experience I can testify to that every time I came there I felt very very comfortable even though in you know I'm feeling like oh I'm, I'm not sure about this or the radio especially for people that haven't been on the radio there's a there's trepidation there's like well what if I fluff it up what if I do that what if I do that and you always made it and this is the thing you always made me feel very comfortable without me thinking you were trying to make me feel comfortable which I think is very very key part of that skill set that you have there because some people say well I don't I don't want to be coached or I don't, I don't need this I don't need that even though inside their hearts going at you know 160 beats per minute and they do need help they don't want to admit that from that side of things so your your demeanor from that side of things is really really helpful again from my own personal experience but I think even more so it's so important as you said for today because um, in this world the business world that we're operating in now I, I think it doesn't really matter what your role is now. You are going to have to get comfortable with talking to people via screen, which is, again, a different skill set. But yeah. if you're leading a company, standing up and talking to your employees, to your tribe, to your audience, whoever it is, you're going to have to get comfortable with public speaking. And to your point of people fear this, I remember way back when it was it was public speaking was the worst, the biggest thing people feared over death, even over death. Yes. They would rather die than stand yes. up they in front of somebody. Which, yeah. again, the, the ability to coach somebody, to help somebody understand that, because it may not traditionally have been part of their role, but almost 100% guaranteed it will be moving forward if you're any kind of leadership position, um, whether you're media facing or not, you will at some point have to do that. And and maybe even within uh, the, the whole um, technology realm is that more and more CEOs, for example, are doing things like this. They have to do podcasts, they have to do vlogs, they have to do their YouTube channel because their audience now expects to see them virtually uh, but they want to be able to see them and and understand that this is that person that leads that that business so i think that your exposure there and your experience is so so vital for, in today's world you know that, that it's needed <laughs> i didn't realize at the time just how integral to the everyday that was going to be i mean we i really wanted to go out of my way to make every guest feel comfortable and to assist them as best as possible with their speaking on the radio and that has become a much bigger thing. Um, and like you said, you know, the world really turned upside down um, 12 months ago and everything started to happen right here. Like, like this. <laughs> yeah. Like this. And we all became very familiar with Zoom <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and whatever other platforms, um, you know, became available. There were protocols that were you had to kind of adapt to very quickly. 
because turning on a, a remote call, a video call, everyone standard thing is, can you hear me? Uh, do I look okay? And then what, maybe what's in the background? Over, <laughs> yeah, what's in the background? Speaking over one another, and you know, even today, um, I love your setup. And I was actually thinking very much about how this was going to look uh, for you. Um, you can see in the background my family, my wife, my daughter, uh, my son here, school pictures are on the fridge, and there's a saxophone in the background. Music is very much a part of our family, always has been. Um, my family has been through so, so much in the last few years, and we'll get to that in, in just a moment, but I really wanted my family to be a part of this moment, really. Mm. Um, and Quite rightly so. Yeah, I didn't want it to be in sort of a studio type, you know, which is quite unusual for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, yeah, let's get into the, um, for, for, and again, in terms of as much detail or as little as you want to, because I think this is also a very integral part of your story uh, in terms of everything, knowing what you wanted to do actually from, from a long time ago, going through so much to get to that point, building what was an incredible platform and, and, and existed. And again, we'll get into that. It did exist uh, for quite yeah. some time. Um, that this is, you know, this is what this is your baby. This is the thing that you you wanted to, to to really get to, and you did it. You know, again, a lot of people in business they've got these aspirations, and they they don't get to them. They get close, but you did it. You built this platform. It serviced uh, the the audience that you wanted to do. You were doing a fantastic job around that. Again, testament to the kind of people that you were bringing into the studio to help mums and dads. I learned a lot from the people that I would me coming in and out of the studio sometimes on a Thursday that I thought, wow, I didn't know that. And then we would talk to each other and, and you were connecting the, 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 those kind of people that had the, the interest of children and family units together through the radio, but also physically, you know, when, when we're coming in and out of that door, we're like, oh, oh well, let's have a coffee afterwards because there's a nice it, coffee shop there as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a networking opportunity just as much as anything else. And Another amazing thing, a takeaway for me for that particular experience was the, the more guests were, were introduced, the more we had in common. And there was such a positive vibe amongst this incredible group of people who we were being introduced to every day of the week. And there was always some kind of connection, like, yeah. you know, the six degrees of separation. Um, for me, one of the incredible things was I got to meet uh, some of the case officers involved in that story that really inspired or I, I, re I, I always struggled to find the words after Jamie's death about what it meant. Mm. Um, but again, something good came out of it. And I remember on the very day that we switched on the red light to say we're going live, I wrote to Jamie's mother. 22 years after that tragic day. And she wrote back immediately. And I said, I, at the time of his death, I wanted to reach out to her and her family, but the entire world was knocking on her door mm. and it was, in, it was a horrible, horrible time. And I thought, well, we've done it. Um, we've actually made this happen. 
And then meeting some of those case officers in that studio in Dubai was just an incredible thing. We, we've, we've met organizations involved with child protection, with child you know, edu education, and it, it just unbelievable. Um, we've, we've featured children with talents. We've assisted, tried to in some small way, families who may be struggling with a child who may have some learning difficulties um, and, and life in general can, you know, can kind of get in the way sometimes. So we wanted to try and as best we could cover as much as we could about family living in somewhere like Dubai. Yeah. And, um, Which I think was so important as well, because this is something that I, th I think that you now have in buckets is experience of this part of the world, because it is different. This is something that I, I talk about. And one of the reasons we started this podcast was to talk about business and, and experience in the UAE, because it is different, you know, in, in other parts of the yep. world. You can you can have great experience. You can be super successful in the UK and the US or any other part of the world. But if you try and bring that and stuff it into this scenario, it doesn't work. You you have to be aware of how things operate. You have to know about the nuances of, of this place, which is why, again, your story is so important for anyone in the, well, pretty much, I was going to say in the media and communications business, but it's in any any area of business, really, in terms of your background and what you've done on the ground here, how you know things operate, what you've achieved on the ground here is really, really important. I think that's what's actually um, transferable in terms of the um, the experiences you had. Uh, just to go back to that one thing you said there about the, within the studio, one of the things that I really enjoyed most when we did our sessions was when we had the children in the studio as well. And they were on air and they were talking and and they were interested and, you know, the, their their curiosity about all the buttons and the lights and and then also their trepidation, depending on their age, about sitting there, like, oh, I'm on the radio. And it was just such a positive experience. Again, I know you're harping on about it, but I think it's so important to really emphasize that because it took a lot away from it myself. When, when you're doing that, saying, look, I'm trying to find ways to, at that time, help parents um, reduce the amount of screen time, for example. Well, how about getting them involved in something new? How about, and this was, again, you know, you, I know you were talking about those kind of um, classes and well, to, to teach them how to be on yeah. air, how to run a desk and all of these kind of things. And just seeing the very limited exposure I had to it whilst we had those, those kind of sessions, again, just a huge, huge positive impact. I had I'd been a lecturer at a university uh, and, and was asked to lecture specifically radio and sound. And this was based on the Australian broadcast law, media law. And it's very closely tied to British media law. And so years later, when the children's radio became a reality, um, one aspect that we wanted to introduce was the idea of how to become a radio presenter to mm -hmm. sort of make it kind of fun, but for children. And what that did sort of um, behind the scenes is actually enhance their confidence, embrace confidence and in, in, in speaking. And, and, you know, we would set up sort of um, radio news. So child one would be the news presenter and we would pass over to a reporter on the scene and there would be a sound of a helicopter or a splash or whatever. And, you know, we had so much fun doing that. And so we literally wrote uh, this kind of plan, listen plan, if you like. Um, and that's something that, again, I'm, I'm kind of reviving um, mm. because it was just so well received. And in one instance, one that really stood out 
um, I, I remember a mum coming to me saying she'd had a lot of challenges with her son who had been diagnosed with ADHD. And they tried medication, they tried all sorts of things, and it just wasn't working. He, he was really struggling with focus and, and confidence. Anyway, he spent four days with us doing this, how to be a radio presenter. And she came to me and she said, Jeff, I have no idea what you've done, but he's focused, he's engaged, he's confident, and this is incredible. What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> how did you do this? <laughs> but it's amazing just how, you know, again, adapting to a situation and um, letting the children do their thing. You know, yeah. th that, that was really, really important. And giving them the voice rather than us telling them what to do. We just rolled with it. And yeah, yeah let them lead it. And it, yeah, yeah, it's incredible absolutely. for, for from that side of things. But yeah. to come to your your point there, just in something you said there, adapting to the situation. So um, the situation obviously changed uh, for, for you as this was yeah. um, this was all happening. This is, yeah. we've talked about the positives, you're making a huge impact. I personally yeah. have experienced that. There's lots of things going on, but then um, as you're wanting to do, you don't talk about yourself. <laughs> you find it difficult to do this, but I need you to talk a little yeah. bit about yourself. Because I think that, Thank you. <laughs> Think things changed, and you're always you're always looking at. And even during this process, I've been noting when you start to go off on a tangent because you're you're talking positively about somebody else, which again is an amazing thing that you have built in. You don't even necessarily you're not consciously doing it. You just do it. So this is why I have to bring it back to you because otherwise you won't do it. Um, in terms of yeah, the, the journey <laughs> that you, you the, the personal journey that you've been on yeah. and your family, and this is you've alluded to yeah. it in terms of the support. But um, Pearl was there. It was going well, and then things changed and. Again, go into as much or as little detail as you want, but I think it's important for sure. people to understand your journey over the last few years, especially. So this bit, I have kind of struggled with a little bit in the past to do what to say or not to say, mm. but actually I think it is something that's important to share. Yep. Um, the, radio, the children's radio channel had launched and it was doing well, it was a success, it, it was on air, it was broadcasting live in the United Arab Emirates. No one thought that that was ever gonna happen and it just was fantastic. I'd started receiving uh, inquiries from various countries around the world saying, we need this, we need mm -hmm. this. Wow, how come we never thought of it? <laughs> mm -hmm. I just happened to be the person who did spend time thinking about it and researching and, and doing it. Mm -hmm. So getting excited to really these inquiries and I've been interviewed on some radios overseas and wow, we, we've, we've hit something here. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying to these people, look, let us just get to a point where we're cruising, if mm -hmm. that would ever be possible. And yeah, let's look at the possibility of building some relationships in other parts of the world and getting this template to children who really would love to be a part of it and, and for families who need it. And so here's the bit where we flick back to when I was 17 and I had this injury with my back. In 2016, um, the latter part of 2015, I'd noticed that 
I had been sending some strange messages on my phone. My eyes were getting a bit blurry and I was kind of maybe just putting that down to age. (laughs) (laughs) I had this feeling as well, that maybe I just need a bit of a break because I've been working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a very long time to get this thing off the ground. Um, I was beginning to struggle a little bit with thinking under pressure. And I remember in hindsight, some of my team would come to me and say, Jeff, we've got this great idea. Can we, can we do this now? And I would say, can I get back to you in five minutes? And that was beginning to become a bit of a pattern. And I thought, that's a bit strange. I also started to lose my temper a bit. That's an understatement. Mm-hmm. I was really getting snappy. I had been having some treatment for this old back injury. And the doctors have been suggesting that I would need to have a major operation to sort of put some steel in my back. And that was going to be a last, a last resort. Mm. We would do anything to avoid that. So they suggested I do some acupuncture. To cut a long story short, three sessions later, I was transferred immediately to the neurological unit, assessed and told at the time they thought I had a brain tumor and that they would probably have to operate on me. The acupuncture had what I think happened, literally just opened up a gateway and all of these symptoms suddenly started pouring out. It turned out that there was swelling in my brain, quite severe, uh, and I had been diagnosed with something called hydrocephalus or hydrocephalus, depending on where you come from water on the brain and doctors told me uh in a room of six six white coats um we don't even want you to think right now because the physical process of thinking could be really bad news it could really make things a lot lot worse unfortunately you cannot fly um because the risk of the pressure in the cabin would be too too much Mm. so you have to stay put and not think. What does that mean? So, of course, what do you do? <laughs> Stop. You start thinking about not thinking. Yeah. Um, what I did do from that moment is I did do a little bit of research to find out what on earth this thing hydrocephalus is or hydrocephalus. Mm. And I read a little bit about it so that I could be prepared for whatever the doctors were going to say next. The only thing that they could do was brain surgery to fix this. There's no cure for it exactly. It can kind of improve and maybe go away of its own accord. They had no idea why or how this had happened, but it's quite possible it it was related to that injury on my back when I was 17. Wow. So when a doctor tells you the only thing you can do is lie down and try not to think, because the physical process in your brain of thinking Could with be. the condition of my brain being so swollen at the time, it could have just stopped everything. Quite frightening. Yeah, to say the least. Um, but you know what? I'm actually, despite everything, in grateful somehow for that experience because it did change me. Mm. It made me far more appreciative of the things that we have it made me slow down. Mm. Um, and the journey since then has been incredibly difficult. 
I've had five brain surgeries. Um, my wife has been through a really traumatic experience. And I think, and then my children as well, mm. uh, my son and my daughter. Um, I think from anyone who goes through something like this, witnesses to a patient can find it a lot harder than the patient themselves. Right. As, a, as I had to sort of really pay attention to what I was doing every day, just really take it slow. Um, you kind of gather, you gather an inner strength. I've got to be here for my family. I've got mm. to listen to what the doctors are telling me and I've got to stop as hard as that is. But then the snappiness and the being at the time um, sensitive to sound and light um, mm. and not being able to think under pressure at the time was all very, very foreign to me. Mm. But I just had to let it do its thing, which is one of the hardest things you can ever try to, to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were lots of complications um, with this because medical insurance, now this is something that's actually quite important to say. Mm -hmm. My medical insurance, once I'd had a brain scan and it told them what was going on with me, the med medical insurance company decided they would not cover any treatment at all. Hmm. And this was a sort of a do or die scenario. So, just because you have medical insurance, it doesn't necessarily mean you are absolutely covered. You have to read the small print. That was a big takeaway from that. Yeah. Because they didn't cover the situation, that particular condition, because they believed that I was born with it, which is a bit of an impossibility. Yeah. Um, it meant that they couldn't do, the doctors couldn't do the investigations th as thoroughly as they possibly could and do every possible thing. So that just added to an already complicated situation. Um, and then, what, a year later? So this, this happened... On February the 15th of 2016, the day after our wedding anniversary, oh. um, things changed big time. Life changed. And I, I think what, what I really want to say is a big thank you to my wife, Cynthia, and to my children, my son and my daughter, and to my parents and my sisters, and to everybody who pulled together to help us get through a really mm. difficult situation. Yeah. The response was incredible. And I remember my wife, Cynthia, saying, this is now time for people to say thank you for the things that you've done for them. Exactly. And I had a bit of a hard time kind of understanding that. <laughs> but I've really processed it and it was really overwhelming incredibly so so from 2016 to 2021 20, has been a, a journey of hospital 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 i had my last brain surgery 
on Father's Day 2020, right. June 21st, 2020, in the UK. And there were some other complications around that. Um, <clears throat> but here we are, having got through it and able to tell the story and to sit here and smile is quite... I mean, I, it, it's phenomenal is the word I would put to it. And we've had a couple of conversations previously where um, I've struggled to hold it together listening to it. I think the word, if anyone was wanting help with the, the definition of the word resilience, it would be to look at you and your family unit in terms of, like I say, you, you've just touched on a couple of points there, but I know for, from our personal conversations, you guys have been through so much more um, and and come out of it with the ability to, to, to say, you know what, there was something... I learned something from every step along the way and, and, and not just negative things. There were positive things that come out, which again, I think is an incredible way of looking um, at the world. And, uh, and I really do, you know, commend you for it and take my hat off for it because some of the stuff that you guys have had to, to endure is just, um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable is the only way I can describe it because when you're telling it to me, I'm thinking this, this could be a, a movie scripts kind of thing <laughs> that these things continue to happen and yeah. um but you're and i guess this is also one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you because you are an example of resilience you are also in, in terms of what you just said there you you perhaps don't completely recognize the impact you've had on other people um how you've helped them um because it's just built into you you know you, you don't think that you're doing it but you are um and um and the big part i think of what why i wanted to, to do this as well and not we don't have a huge audience, but I also wanted you to tell your story. You can put it out there, but it was also to let people know that you're here. You're, you know, this this background that you've got is your your place here in in Dubai. It's where your your family pictures and so forth that you're physically here, that you are, um, that you're you're back, that you're here, that back you on have, the bus. <laughs> yeah, and that you've got you've got so much to offer in terms of um, experience and like I say, resilience and getting over things and, and, and looking at the positive rather than the negative. Cause I think that that's such a huge part of um, business these days is that this, especially the last 12 months has been, you know, <laughs> taking out of the equation, everything you've been through personally, the, the world has gone through this transition stuff has changed, but the ability to overcome obstacles, to look at the positive. I mean, you, by definition of what you've been through, are an expert in this um, <laughs> because you've done it um, and, and are doing it. And and I think that, the, that you can draw on your family unit from support. That's also a very important thing that we were talking about before we hit play, that, that having that support in place and having people to lean on, especially if you're not the kind of person that traditionally leans on people, um, that... But that also when you need it, that you 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 can ask for help. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important lesson, um, and that th th there'll probably be a big queue outside the door to help you. <laughs> I, thank you so much for for the opportunity to have this chat, this conversation. Um, I think another thing that's important to say, if you just if I could, yeah. is that there was a sort of a pulling together of people at the time when I was really quite poorly in 2016. And it appeared in social media, it appeared in the media. And um, I remember thinking of you a lot at that time because one of your mantras was uh, about your online reputation. And as much as this was an incredible, this was a, this was a sort of a lifesaver at the time. But then as time 
sort of moved on, I kind of found maybe I started thinking maybe there's a perception that I've actually just disappeared and I am not able to physically function. Because when some when a doctor tells you you're going to have brain surgery, a lot of people can get very, very upset about that and very anxious. I'm, I'm very thankful that I did a little bit of research just enough to know what was going to come next mm. and to find that sort of inner, inner strength and belief. Um, but then there was this sudden sort of thought, afterthought, if you like, oh, my goodness, perhaps I'm done for here. Perhaps I've been written off. I remember having had a few of these brain surgeries and going to the rugby sevens at the end of 2016 and walking into that stadium and hearing Kevin's voice on the tannoy, on the, uh, on the speakers booming. Ladies and gentlemen, he's here. Here's Jeff. And there was this eruption of <laughs> sound. And I just happened to be... My second cousin had flown in from Australia um, on his way back to Ireland. He was a rugby player. He was a pro. He, he, he loved the game. And there he is with me walking into a stadium. My, voice, my name's being announced by Kev. And the All Blacks are running at him. <laughs> it was surreal. Unbelievable. But I think that eruption of sound of cheer and happiness was something that we'll cherish for forever. And, you know, coming from those guys too, that, that we worked so hard together for years and years on that tournament, yeah. it was really something special. And I think the other takeaway has been something my father taught me very, very early on in life, never burn your bridges from a business mm. perspective and from yeah. a life perspective, you know, things can happen that can be very, very challenging and something that you may not necessarily like. It wasn't part of your plan, mm. but it perhaps was part of a bigger plan. And rather than erupt and, you know, destroy any relationship, working relationship you may have with anyone or anything, just bear in mind that you never know where that relationship may come back years down the line, paths can cross, you just never know. So yeah. despite all of the challenges of 2016, um, I, I, I think another takeaway is the relationships that we have built up and we have maintained. And um, that is very, very, very special. Mm. Um, my family means everything to me. I have a huge amount to make up for, for them. One thing I really seriously need to do in all seriousness is give my wife a break. Mm. In 2020, um, I was really seriously ill in February. I was in hospital for two weeks and it was not looking good. Right. Pulled through miraculously. Again. Had a lot of people praying and sharing thoughts and um, that was though the decision, right? If I am physically fit to fly, I have to go to get some more medical help and to, for it to be really thorough. 
the NHS have been incredible. Um, the doctors and nurses involved have been absolutely phenomenal. And I have to say a very special thank you to nurses and doctors all around the world because they have been put to the front of a very serious battle. I flew on March the 14th. A few days later, the entire world shut down. Yeah. And I've been, I was separated from my wife and son for, 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 for many, 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 many months, just like a lot of other people around the world. Um, but our belief in each other, our friends, our network of people who've been there to look out for her. Of course, 2020 meant redundancies. Companies had to react and, you know, cut costs. Nobody likes that. Um, it happened with us. I now really, really, really would love to give my wife a bit of a break. And I seriously need to earn some, earn some professional <laughs> support, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, this is a big part of, uh, of, of why I wanted to talk to you as well, because I want to say <laughs> we don't have a huge audience, but I think that by telling your story, we, we're having it done in this way that um, you can let people know that um, to your dad's very valuable lesson, don't burn your bridges. Well, there's lots of people here that perhaps lost touch, didn't know what was going on, don't know the full story. Um, but the very fact that you're... Um, here is is a reason to reconnect and open those communication channels have a chat about everything and then look at opportunities that's you know at the end of the day this is a you know business podcast it's it's about yeah, doing business absolutely. it's about um it's about yeah. how things work here um but more more for, 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 from that side of things to let people know that you are here and and again as we've just discussed you know over the last sort of hour there's so much that you can help with there's so much experience that you have. And, and this is a part that I really want to emphasize on the ground here. This is experience of building and running organizations and, and dealing with people here in the UAE, in the GCC region, where you have that um, the, the, the exposure to the nuances and the things that you need to take into consideration when doing certain things, especially when it comes to communication, because there's, there's certain things that... Um, you, you can and can't do and you can and can't yeah. say and yeah. you can get yourself yeah. into big trouble by doing yeah. it and um and, yeah. and, and understanding that i think really comes into anything that you can communicate i think uh, uh, another takeaway from my experience in in this part of the world is that you can have some incredible conversations um if you go about having that conversation the right way there are cultural sensitivities yes but if you res if you show respect respect is reciprocated and you know there are no ends to opportunity and uh, um, prospects together um, you've just got to be aware that's all and sometimes listen to advice as well yeah that, that's always that's a very good very good point to uh i think that potentially end this one on the, the ability yeah. to listen is so important here on the ground um but jeff i just want to say thank you very much thank you for uh, yeah. well first of all thank you for everything that you've done for me along along the way um in terms of with with um the, the radio station with supporting be the cyber thank you for that thank you for you and your family being as resilient as you are and that you're here now to be able to um to, to tell that story because i think it's also a very inspirational one as much as you don't like to hear that and you might not even 
you know, label it as that it is. Um, and it also shows the, um, the ability to look at the positive out of a negative situation, which I think is a, is a core skill set. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to come and share that story. And I'm hoping that we can get this edited out there uh, and then have people hear it. So that, I'll be fine. I'm not going to do it. Going through it, I'm hardly going to do any editing. It's a good, uh, a good one from that side of things. So um, thanks again for your time, Jeff. And uh, we'll, we'll connect in, in the offline space as well uh, in the very near future. Thank you, Barry. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode. I uh, really hope you enjoyed it and took away some positives uh, from, from Jeff's experience. Um, as always, if there's anything that you'd like us to know, then uh, hit us up on social media. And if there's anybody that you would particularly like us to have a chat with, drop us an email at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time. Next time.